Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. Carnival Quarantine Cruises. Come for the great vacation packages. Stay because you have to. The Trump University Emperor Nero School of Irresponsible Governance, proposing severe budget cuts to the CDC in the middle of a pandemic because... Good governance bores me. And cheap medical masks, because when the government cuts CDC funding in the middle of a pandemic, cheap medical masks are your best hope. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices are almost as low as President Trump's proposed CDC budget. Our top story this week. The New Hampshire primaries are over, with Vermont Senator and President Trump with a better health care plan, Bernie Sanders, emerging victorious. Even though I won... My supporters are still very upset at the lack of fawning and adoration I received from the media, which, in my view, demonstrates that everything is a conspiracy against me. Coming in a close second was Pete Buttigieg, the kindest order winner of the Iowa caucus. Black people still don't like me, but I'm working on that. And I just proved that I can win in states with no black people, which I believe is a major first step towards getting black people to like me because I still don't understand why black people don't like me. Serious flaws in our primary system have created the narrative of a two-way race based solely on the less-than-overwhelming results of two very small, very white states. Here to explain her inexplicably poor performance in the first two primaries is Massachusetts Senator and the Barack Obama of old white ladies, Elizabeth Warren. I'm in the fight, and part of the way I fight the fight is by overusing the expression, I'm in the fight. But I'm not just in the fight, I've got a plan for the fight. Because the only expression I overuse more than I'm in the fight is, I've got a plan for that. And so, I'm in the fight, and I've got a plan for the fight, but I'm also losing the fight. I may need a new plan for that. You're a lying, dog-faced pony soldier. That was beloved vice president but hated presidential candidate Joe Biden, who recently called a voter who asked him a question at a question-and-answer event a lying, dog-faced pony soldier, which is an insane thing to say. Lying, dog-faced pony soldier is not an insane thing to say, and you're a lying, dog-faced pony soldier for saying it is. Lying, dog-faced pony soldier is an awkward mashup of two different John Wayne quotes from two different John Wayne movies, and there's no better way to dispel the malarkey that I am an out-of-touch and confused old man than by mixing up quotes from separate John Wayne movies. The good news is that I'm doing better than Biden. The bad news is that doing better than the guy who called a voter a lying dog-faced pony soldier counts as the good news. Malarkey! Things are going so badly for me that my rousing debate speech about why it's time for a woman to be president somehow catapulted the other woman ahead of me. I'm Amy Klobuchar, and I'm way too excited to be in third place. I'm in this fight to get to the next fight to fight against Trump. Because I've been in the fight against corruption for almost as long as Donald Trump has been corrupt. 
And yet somehow, the historic moment of Trump's acquittal has defined the fight against Trump as a fight against corruption is also the moment when I'm getting clobbered in the fight. In my view, the key to beating Trump is to play directly into every negative stereotype there is about socialism. Why would I explain, as Senator Warren does, that progressive policies are reforms that improve capitalism in ways that have real impacts on the lives of real people? When I can declare myself a socialist and aggressively shout about revolution? Because nothing makes middle America more comfortable than an angry, old, disheveled socialist screaming for revolution! Four years ago, Democrats begged me to get into the race, specifically because they wanted a progressive alternative to Hillary Clinton that could articulate progressive policies better than this guy. The 1% controls 90% of the percentage that should, in my view, be shared by the 99% whose percent of the percentage should be equal to the percent of the percentage controlled by the 1%. Now he's beating me by so many percentage points, they might as well be the subject of one of his diatribes. I'm in third place, so you better listen to me. The key to beating Trump is electability, and I've won every race I've ever ran in Minnesota. And I even win in Minnesota's reddest red district, so if I win this nomination, Minnesota is a lock! Senator Klobuchar's meteoric rise to third place is a direct result of her attacks against me in that last debate. She tapped into something about me that people don't like, but I'm going to work on that as soon as I figure out what it is. Because I want people to like me, but I'm bad at figuring out why they don't. I'm still in this fight, and I'm going to keep fighting this fight. Because the thing about the fight is, you can't win the fight if you don't fight the fight. So I guess continuing to fight the fight is my plan for fighting the fight. Which leads to an internal fight I have to fight while fighting the external fight. Because I have to fight my own plan to simply keep fighting the fight. Because usually my plans are better than that. Like I said before, but we'll continue to say over and over again, because I only have one speech. You don't need an actual plan when your entire plan hinges on a political revolution. Some people think Sanders is too liberal, and they don't like that. If we're going to win in Minnesota, we can't make these outrageous pie-in-the-sky promises like a healthcare system comparable to the rest of the world. We need the painfully slow incrementalism of a candidate so pragmatic, she's thrilled to be in third place. Some people think Klobuchar is too moderate, and they don't like that either. But I want people to like me, so I tread the thin line between moderate and progressive, like a democratic Goldilocks. Because everybody likes Goldilocks. Except black people. But I'm working on that. It is absolutely astonishing that I'm not running away with this thing. This Monday, the federal attorneys who successfully prosecuted longtime Trump advisor and evil fashionista Roger Stone on charges of obstruction of justice, lying to Congress, and witness tampering recommended a sentence of seven to nine years for his crime. 
Then, at 2 o'clock Tuesday morning, President Trump tweeted the following. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman, because we hear he hates that. This is a horrible and very unfair situation. The real crimes were on the other side, as nothing happens to them. Cannot allow this miscarriage of justice! Exclamation point! By Tuesday afternoon, Attorney General and lying sack of jowls William Barr's Justice Department undercut their own prosecutors and filed significantly more lenient sentencing guidelines, less in line with the law, but more in line with President Trump's tweeted wishes. This is a horrible and unfair situation. I cannot speak to the second sentence in President Trump's tweet because its lack of syntax makes it impossible to decipher, but I will repeat, we cannot allow this miscarriage of justice exclamation point. Despite the fact that the Justice Department reversed its own prosecutors to coincide with President Trump's publicly stated wishes, President Trump publicly denied his involvement in the decision he was publicly involved in. I had nothing to do with the decision that I told the Justice Department to make. They did exactly what I told them to do without me telling them to do it. As Attorney General, I have a responsibility not to compromise the independence of the Justice Department by protecting the president's friends and prosecuting the president's enemies on the orders from the president. I uphold that responsibility by guessing that the president wants me to prosecute his enemies and protect his friends based solely on my interpretation of his poorly worded tweets. The unprecedented move by the Justice Department to reverse the sentencing recommendations of their own prosecutors regarding a political advisor to the president in favor of a more lenient sentence favored by the president runs so counter to the Justice Department's long-cherished institutional independence that all four prosecutors in the Roger Stone case resigned from the case in protest. Suck it, Trump! I don't play your corrupt authoritarian bullshit. Get somebody else to abuse the Justice Department for your own personal benefit, you dictatorial piece of shit! Actually, they quit in dignified and formal court filings. Her Honor, the Honorable Judge Amy Berman Jackson presiding. If it please the court, I render hereto with from these proceedings thereof, hitherto my resignation, which having been thusly proclaimed is hereby so declared. But you get the point. Suck it, Trump! Here to put this disturbing behavior in the dictatorial authoritarian context it deserves is popular stereotype of the head of a banana republic in the American imagination, Generalissimo Malo Hombre. Hello, I am Generalissimo Malo Hombre, and since many Americans don't want to believe an authoritarian dictatorship is possible in your country, I am here to remind you what an authoritarian dictatorship looks like by looking like what you think an authoritarian dictatorship looks like. Generalissimo Malo Hombre is a very powerful, very strong lay leader. We have a great relationship. He writes me love letters. Your first clue that an authoritarian dictatorship was possible in your country should have been your leader's effusive praise of actual authoritarian dictators. Well, that's just Trump being Trump. Well, but you're way past that point now. Imagine that I, Generalissimo Mano Hombre, were to interfere in the lawful prosecution of one of my strongest political allies. Well, 
That's a corrupt abuse of power. This is why socialism is dangerous. Oh, yet when Trump does the exact same thing? Well, Trump's just shaking it up. And when officials try and pull the alarm on Trump's corruption? It's always something with the never-Trumpers and hysterical left. Because they hate Trump for no reason. Total Trump derangement syndrome. Tedious! You literally have a three-word slogan that dismisses all criticism of your president before you have even heard the criticism. Imagine if I, Generalissimo Malo-Hombre, employed such propaganda. I can't believe socialists can be so easily brainwashed. In addition to unlawfully interfering in a lawful prosecution on behalf of President Trump's political ally, I also announced this week I'm opening up a direct pipeline for the president's personal attorney to feed unfounded rumors about his political rival directly to the Justice Department. The real crimes were on the other side, as nothing happens to them. Lack of syntax makes that sentence impossible to decipher, but I completely agree with it. As funny as the idea of Rudy Giuliani screaming anti-Joe Biden conspiracy theories into a pipeline is, I don't think- Joe Biden delayed a billion dollars in Ukrainian aid because Hunter Biden stole Hillary's emails to frame Trump for Russian collusion! Because Obama is a secret Muslim, Satan-worshipping communist! I know it! What does it mean for a country when the chief executive officer, having used fear and intimidation to diminish any check on his power by any government entities, blatantly consolidates his power by openly deploying his police force to protect his allies and destroy his enemies? Well, that depends. Are we talking about you doing all of those things? Or Trump? Because it sounds bad when you say it, but... I used fear and inmate dimension to dimnosh all of the checks of my power by any of the government entities, which blatantly consolidates my power by openly decoying my police force to protect my allies and destroy my enemies. Trump! 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 I didn't tell any lies about Biden through a tube. Of course I told lies about Biden through a tube. Texas State Attorney General Ken Paxton has asked the Supreme Court to strike down a California law that prohibits California government officials from using taxpayer money to travel to Texas. The California law was passed in protest of a Texas law that grants Christian adoption agencies the right to refuse to adopt children of LGBTQ families. Texas objects to California's law, which objects to Texas's discrimination on the grounds that it is discriminatory for California to discriminate against Texas's discrimination. Irony is dead. For a deeper look, Barely Audible Whisper turns to our circular logic correspondent, Smith Sam. Goodbye, Smith Sam, expert logic circular I am, which working backwards is to say, hello, I'm Sam Smith, circular logic expert. And if you followed that logic, then you might be Texas State Attorney General Ken Paxton. The Texas law allowing Texas adoption agencies to discriminate against LGBTQ families doesn't discriminate against the LGBTQ. It simply prevents those who choose to discriminate from being discriminated against. 
This particular circle of discrimination has been a favorite legal argument of anti-LGBTQ Christians in their ongoing fight against LGBTQ rights. By arguing their anti-LGBTQ positions as religious beliefs, they are able to claim that denying their religious right to discriminate is a form of religious discrimination. I hate gay people, I think they're gross, and I don't want them in my bakery. That last statement was obviously discriminatory, but watch what happens with a slight modification. God hates gay people, the Bible says they're gross, and it is against my faith to allow them in my bakery. By justifying their discrimination in religious terms, the anti-LGBTQ Christian has found a legal loophole in which the Christians who discriminate against the LGBTQ are being discriminated against for not being allowed to discriminate against who their religion teaches them to discriminate against. If you think about it, I'm really the victim. Indeed, the conservative Christians who persecute those who do not share their religious beliefs are being persecuted by those who they persecute for not being able to persecute who they want to persecute. And so, based on this illogical logic, Texas passed an adoption law in 2017 where it makes it perfectly legal for Christian adoption agencies to deny adoptions to LGBTQ families based solely on their own personal belief that homosexuality is sinful. This is a great day for religious liberties. And as long as I'm Attorney General, religious liberties in Texas shall not be infringed upon. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go prevent Muslims from entering our country. In response to Texas discriminatory law, California enacted a law that prohibits state tax money from being spent by state employees on travel to the state of Texas. We're California, and we're better than you. And we're not going to travel to your state anymore. Uh, what did California just say? I couldn't hear them because I was too busy protecting religious liberties by enforcing a travel ban against Muslims. They said they're boycotting our state because we discriminate against the gays. That sounds like a religiously discriminatory travel ban. As soon as I finish preventing these Muslims from traveling freely in America, I'm going to sue California for a religiously discriminatory travel ban. If you think about it, I am the real victim. And so, Attorney General Paxton is asking the Supreme Court to consider overturning California's protests of Texas's discriminatory law based on the argument that California's opposition to Texas's discrimination is itself discrimination against Texas's right to discriminate. Religious-based travel bans are an abomination against God. I am glad you feel that way. Can I come into your country now? No, because you're Muslim. Unfortunately, the conservative-leaning Supreme Court, which upheld the Muslim travel ban, is likely to side with Texas against the conservative Christian-based travel ban because conservative Supreme Court Justice and Kermit the Frog impersonating rapist Brett Kavanaugh and the like are all too happy to abandon the law in favor of fighting the culture wars. I like beer! And I like Texas because Texans like beer! But Californians drink wine! But I don't like wine! I like beer! And California is not likely to help their own case, considering that most of their arguments are based around the premise. We're California, and we're better than you. And so, in Texas, it will soon not only be legal to discriminate against LGBTQ families, it will also be illegal to discriminate against those who discriminate by discriminating against their discrimination. If you think about it, I'm the real victim. <laughs> Nope, wrong character. <laughs> <laughs>
get the Senate impeachment trial over, we no longer need to spend time each episode covering the trial of a disgusting, bloated, perverted narcissist who serially abuses his power. We now turn to the trial of Harvey Weinstein. At least this is a real trial with evidence and witnesses. Yay! Your Honor, it is now our duty to present a defense of our client because someone has to do it. We will rely on the tried and true methods of casting doubt on rape victims' testimony, but you should know our hearts aren't in it, and the witnesses we've chosen to call are easily discredited. We call Paul Feldscher. Mr. Feldscher, what was your relationship with accuser Annabella Sciorra? We were friends back in the 90s. What was your understanding at the time of Miss Sciorra's relationship to the defendant? My understanding was that she fooled around with him, I remember her saying she'd done this crazy thing with Harvey. She didn't say it wasn't consensual. The possibility that a woman might be gently introducing ideas to see if I'd be sympathetic and trustworthy before sharing more has not occurred to me to this day. Your witness. Mr. Felcher, do you consider the defendant a friend? Yeah. And you sent your friend these text messages, is that correct? Yes, those are from me to Harvey Weinstein. Will you read them for the court, please? All right. Your appetite and ambition for the things that you want, a script, a movie, and yes, a girl, ought to put it mildly, voracious. Next. If a lot of these girls had been my daughter, I would have wanted to beat the shit out of you. Hmm. And the last one. I think the dog pile of actresses who are suddenly brave and recalling suppressed memories is hideous. Can I say something? When I was texting him, I had no idea, no no idea, that my text messages would end up in a courtroom. Okay. What is that even? Whatever. Uh, no more questions. That all you got? No, but it is the best I've got. So, anyway, I call Talita Maya. Miss Maya, you were friends with Jessica Mann, correct? That's correct. And you were with Miss Mann when she met Mr. Weinstein at the party where she claims the defendant forcibly performed oral sex on her? Yes, and we drove home together afterward. How was Miss Mann acting on the drive home? She seemed normal, like nothing out of the ordinary. She seemed to really like him as a person. Objection. Speculative. And also stupid. Sustained. Fine by me. Your witness. Are you still friends with Ms. Mann? No, we had a falling out a few years ago. I don't hate her or anything like that. What was the nature of your falling out? She did things in my life that impacted me in a very negative, uh, in a terrible, terrible way. And I wish I didn't have to go through that. So this one's biased as hell. No more questions. Yeah, we only have one more. I call Claudia Salinas. Miss Salinas, Lauren Young claims that you stood outside the closed door while Weinstein sexually assaulted her in a hotel bathroom. That never happened. None of it? The part where I stood outside the door? I would never do that. If I had done that, I would remember that. Your witness. You told investigators that you don't remember anything about that night. That's correct. But now you do suddenly remember things? Or are you just using the Bernie Sanders trick of, I believe that I'm a good person and that I would never do what you accused me of doing, when you have no memory of whether or not you actually did it? I never closed a door behind anybody. Ever. So this witness claims she's never closed a door. Fun! 
No further questions. Your Honor, I'd like to pretend none of these testimonies ever happened and instead employ Trump's defense strategy. Sure. Let's see where this goes. <clears throat> Harvey Weinstein doesn't need to call any witnesses because he did nothing wrong. This whole trial is a sham. Even if he did anything wrong, it doesn't rise to the level of imprisonment. And even if he did, it wasn't sexual assault. Because if he believes that having sex with him is good for the actress's career, then any action he takes in order to have sex with that actress is inherently with her consent. Objection! Grounds? All of them? That's not how sexual assault works. I wouldn't know. I've never been sexually assaulted because I don't put myself in those situations. Wow. Your Honor, permission to sexually assault the defense to prove a point? Overruled. I'll do it. Oh! I'd like it on the record that the defendant just groped his own defense attorney. Th that wasn't sexual assault. How the hell wasn't that sexual assault? Mr. Weinstein believed that it was in the interest of his defense to prove that when he touches someone without consent, it is not sexual assault. And I am on the record saying that it was not sexual assault, so I've proven his point. Now, given the insane links I just went to at my own expense in defense of my client, I can honestly say I've done my duty as attorney, so let's just convict him already. I rest my case! The Department of Justice has come under fire for its allocation of $1 million in grant money earmarked for fighting sex trafficking when it bypassed the two highly respected organizations, Catholic Charities of the Dioceses of Palm Beach and Chicanos por la Casa of Phoenix, both of whose credentials have been independently verified. In favor of Lincoln Tubman, a brand new and unqualified organization operated by a Trump donor, and something called Hookers for Jesus. While the name Hookers for Jesus is highly hilarious, the organization itself is highly controversial. Hookers for Jesus was founded by a former prostitute turned born-again Christian and uses a strict right-wing interpretation of conservative evangelicalism to convert sex trafficking victims away from the sex trade and towards Christ. For a deeper look at Hookers... <sighs> poor choice of words. For a closer look at this issue, Barely Audible Whisper reporter Jesus Rodriguez filed the following report. Hello, I'm Jesus Rodriguez, and I agreed to do the Hookers for Jesus segment because I misunderstood the meaning of the term Hookers for Jesus. We minister to former sex trafficking victims, but we do spend an inordinate amount of time turning away men named Jesus who misunderstood the name Hookers for Jesus. That was Anne Lobert, the born-again Christian former sex worker who founded Hookers for Jesus, as a Christian ministry for sex trafficking victims seeking to escape the sex trade and turn their lives over to Christ, which is a noble pursuit, but is also the exact opposite of what I was hoping for. I was saved by Christ from the sex trade, and I have made it my mission through Christ to save other women through Christ from the sex trade with a Christ-centered approach to being healed by Christ through the healing that Christ bestows upon the followers of Christ. The dogmatic religious nature of Lobert's ministry is at the heart of a separation of church and state controversy surrounding half a million dollars in federal grants that was awarded to Hookers for Jesus by the Department of Justice. 
Just because we issue Bibles, forbid secular reading materials, require church attendance, and impose a rigid moral code based on my personal religious beliefs doesn't make us a religious organization. To be clear, the objections to Hookers for Jesus are not based on their false advertising. I mean religious affiliation alone. After all, both of the more deserving nonprofits that were denied grant money are affiliated with the Catholic Church. However, unlike Hookers for Jesus, Catholic Charities does not require its beneficiaries to believe in Catholic dogma. We believe we are called by Christ to help those in need. We also believe we are called by Christ not to be dicks about it. I am about to enter Destiny House, the halfway home run by Hookers for Jesus for former sex trafficking victims. As I approach the entrance, I see several Latino men and one white guy who looks like he has hippie parents dejectedly leaving the building. If you're here because your name is Jesus, man, don't bother. Apparently hookers for Jesus means something else. Welcome to Destiny House, where we offer Christ's unconditional love to all those who accept the condition that unconditional love is conditioned on Christ. Hi, I'm Jesus Rodriguez. I'm here with Bailey. Hookers for Jesus means something else. That's actually why I'm here. Um, I have some questions about the federal grant money that was received by what appears to be an intensely religious organization. Please help me. I'm trapped. I used to be trapped in the sex trafficking industry, and my only way out was to become trapped in this radically fundamentalist religious organization. Admittedly, being trapped in right-wing church is better than being trapped in the sex trade, but ideally, I'd like to be not trapped at all. Okay, so you're confirming that Hookers for Jesus is a proselytizing Christian organization that should not be receiving federal funding? Not only does Hookers for Jesus condition their help for women on absolute adherence to Anne Lobert's personal religious beliefs, but they offer woefully inadequate services for the large numbers of sex trafficking victims that are men, children, and foreigners. Por favor, ayúdame! Speak English! Damn illegal immigrants stealing all the sex slave jobs. So Hookers for Jesus is a... Well-intentioned, far-right religious organization, which is only beneficial to a small segment of adult American female sex traffic victims predisposed to the born-again experience. An organization that, without taking away from the positive impact it has had on some women, should be completely disqualified from receiving massive amounts of government funding. That was a well-reasoned and articulate summation. It kind of makes you feel guilty about reducing me to a sex object, doesn't it? Yeah, I was hoping the Hookers for Jesus segment would be a bunch of dirty biblical references. Hey, big boy. I've got a sermon you can mount. Want to watch me turn the other cheek? Something, something. My rod and my staff. Ooh! Turns out this is actually a serious news story about the Trump administration using a provocatively named far-right religious group to further exploit already exploited sex workers by inappropriately dispensing federal grant money to pander to his far-right Christian base and further blur the lines between separation of church and state. And Hookers for Jesus may not even be the most corrupt part of the story. Lincoln Tubman, the other unqualified organization to receive more than a half a million dollars from the Trump administration, was established less than two years ago by a wealthy Trump donor as a non-operating foundation, which means it disperses funds to other nonprofits rather than running its own programs. Not only are we a brand new and completely inexperienced 
organization based on the same charity business model as Trump Charities, which was forced to shut down because of fraud. Our headquarters are a mansion owned by the parents of the Trump loyalist we're run by. So yeah, this is almost 100% guaranteed to be a scam. To be clear, as of this recording, there is no direct evidence proving that Lincoln Tubman has violated any laws, but... I mean... Come on. Do you have a baby back there? Yeah, she was in the sex <laughs> Oh. I'm so sorry. That, that was Dad's daughter. You may recall that when President Trump was acquitted by the Republican Senate for abusing his power, several Republicans, led by Maine Senator and coward trapped in a librarian's body, Susan Collins, assured us of that. I think President Trump, who has never learned a life lesson in his entire lessonless life, will learn his lesson. What could possibly possess an otherwise intelligent woman to believe such nonsense? The law of averages predicts that he has to learn a lesson eventually. Then again, the law of averages is a law, so he'll probably ignore it. In the first week after he was acquitted, President Trump used the National Prayer Breakfast to vow revenge on his enemies, fired a war hero and his own hand-picked ambassador, who lawfully testified against him, ordered the Justice Department to interfere in the sentencing of his political advisor, and has set up a line of communication for the Justice Department to receive fraudulent evidence against his political opponent. As always, our Trump impersonator is still a woman. Because we hear he still hates that. I learned a lesson, and that lesson is that I can do whatever I want. Which isn't really a lesson, because I always knew that. So, now that President Trump has seemingly shifted from creeping fascism to super sped up fascism, we feel like it's appropriate and necessary to ask, from a historical perspective, where exactly is American democracy on the historical scale of decline? To help us, barely out of a whisper, turns to our own Harvard history professor, so pretentious he insists on being called Dr. Professor. America is far from the first democracy to carelessly allow itself to slip away into authoritarian rule. Julius Caesar just declared himself ruler for life? What should we, the deliberative Roman Senate, do? I, I think Caesar learned his lesson. And so, with history as our guide, we shall explore the ways in which democracy can deteriorate into demagoguery and dictatorship. Hitler just declared himself the Fuhrer. I'm not even sure what a Fuhrer is, but it sounds bad. I think Hitler has learned his lesson. The decline of democracy often begins relatively slowly, with a demagogue gradually chipping away at institutional norms. Lion James Comey shouldn't be allowed to investigate me because I say that I didn't do anything wrong. And when the president says he didn't do anything wrong, the FBI has to believe him because the Constitution. The leader will also repeatedly delegitimize all criticism as part of an imagined conspiracy against him. 
The fake news media is the enemy of the people, except for Fox, who says nice things about me because everything that is bad about me is fake and everything good about me is true because compliments are the only true reality. Of course, no leader's attacks on the legitimate press would be possible without a relentlessly aggressive propaganda network of his own. I'm Judge Jeanine Pirro. President Trump is like God, but better. All criticism of Trump can be dismissed by the made-up phrase Trump Derangement Syndrome, TDS. Democrats are treason and wine is delicious. I like beer! Shut up, Brett! Scapegoats are used to shift blame, instill fear, normalize cruelty, and deteriorate the concept of the rule of law. Hordes of super scary, super illegal, criminal terrorist drug dealer brown people aliens are pouring across our border to do a bunch of super scary, super illegal, criminal terrorist drug dealer brown people alien stuff. And the only way to stop them is to kidnap their children and put them in cages. Kidnapping children and putting them in cages is the only reasonable solution to the completely real and not at all made up problem of refugees that are actually murdering rapists who are secretly being paid by Barack Hussein Obama to steal my wine. The lawless leader having replaced the concept of law and order with arbitrary racist cruelty will break the law at will using increasingly absurd legal justifications for his lawlessness. The president cannot be impeached because the framers never intended impeachment to be used to impeach. As always, our Alan Dershowitz impersonator is a woman because it just works. The president's own self-interest are America's interests because Trump is America, which interestingly means that Americans should be interested in Trump's interests. And the law itself will eventually shift to becoming a tool of presidential power. The real crime is the Democrats, who should be investigated for investigating me because the other side is crime. And Shifty Schiff is Nervous Nancy and Witch Hunt, corrupt Democrat hoax. That made perfect sense. As Attorney General and lying sack of jowls, I will be basing all of my prosecutorial decisions on what I think Trump means when he tweets crazy stuff. And so, when examined in the context of historical patterns and parallels predictive of the peril and decline of democratic republics, one can confidently conclude that we're fucked. Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people. Writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin. Co-host Molly Brown. Writer and actor Daniel Carter Brown. Actors Michael Morgan, Corey Burns, and Ali Glonick. Please subscribe to us. Always subscribe to your podcasts. Follow us on social media. Check out all the cool stuff Dan's doing on our Facebook page. And tell all your friends about us. We appreciate your support. I'm Amy Klobuchar, and I'm way too excited to be in third place. Come on, Warren, keep up. Humorous!